The show goes on. This is the official show on the Fish on First podcast channel with me, Eli Sussman, the managing editor of Fish Stripes, where we cover your Miami Marlins every day in our own way. Man, uh, Sunday has been quite a day. I'm recording this late on Sunday after the Marlins just get through a 14-ending marathon win over the Cubs to salvage something from that series to avoid a winless week, stay right in striking distance of both 500 and a wild card spot. Man, yeah, this team is living on the edge, still perfect in one-run games, as you're probably very well aware of. Right where you're watching, listening to this, you can find State of the Fish. That's the weekly call-in show that we host on Twitter and then post later on on our podcast channel and our YouTube channel. This is, I think, just the second official show that I'm cross-posting on YouTube. So if you're liking this experience, uh, please leave a like on this video and share it around so that we reach as many Marlins fans as possible and continue growing on YouTube in addition to Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, where we just passed 10,000 followers. We're on all these different platforms. And of course, the uh, the hub of all this, the mothership is fishstripes.com. So please uh, check out fishstripes.com. Be sure to subscribe to Fish on First wherever you get your pods, whether that is YouTube or Apple, Spotify, something in between. We're available on all those places. That's where you get all the Fish Stripes staff between my show and State of the Fish, Fish Stripes Unfiltered. What a Relief is back. Maybe you missed that, the debut 2023 of that with Matt Barnes. And that's a series of reliever interviews hosted by Noah Berger. All that is available on Fish on First as well. Uh, on this particular episode, as I mentioned, just barely avoided a winless week. I think there's more minuses than plus with this Marlins team. And um, the biggest of the bunch, the subject of this show is going to be Gene Segura, the most, ex- the biggest free agent expenditure of the Marlins this past offseason. His uh, Marlins tenure has not gone off to the start that anybody would have envisioned or even feared in a worst case scenario with Segura. Sunday's game, a pretty typical game for Gene, going one for five with a well-placed single that made it through the infield. Then a legitimately well-hit line drive that was caught, um, striking out once, once, five at-bats. That's pretty typical for Segura this year and in his entire career. Yeah, it was a microcosm of what to expect from Segura. He came up in a couple big spots in extra innings and um, did not produce in those actual high-leverage situations for him, Um, as we'll get into shortly. By a lot of measures, Segura has been the worst player in baseball, certainly the worst one that is getting regular at-bats. And that's kind of what the Marlins signed up for with Segura, somebody that could eat at-bats and give them a certain level of production. Whatever level of production they had in mind, he is not reaching it at this point. This is a team that is struggling a lot offensively, Um, one of the very worst in baseball. You could say only marginally better than they were last year. It's not all Segura's fault. It's not even mostly his fault. There are You can point the finger in a lot of different directions with this team. Segura is one that really sticks out to me, though, given the expectations that maybe I personally had for him this season and how far removed he is from those expectations through the first, what, five and a half weeks of this regular season. So that's going to be the focus of this episode. Gene Segura, exactly why the Marlins brought him in in the first place, what it is that is holding down his production, um, how gnarly the numbers are to this point in the season, and uh, how the Marlins can kind of course correct from this point forward to salvage something from his contract, which is quickly looking like a bit of a sunk cost. There's, yeah, there's a lot to unpack with this particular player. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's been thinking about 
his struggles. And um, I, I hope I can shed some light on exactly what's going on with Segura. So right on the other side of this break, we're going to get into all things Gene here on the official show. Stick with me. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, with Segura, it should be noted also that on Sunday, the one hit that he did get was the 1,500th hit of his career, 1,500 careers, halfway to three grand for Segura. That is not a like milestone to scoff at. There are, I think, only a number of, in the hundreds, a number of hundreds of players in Major League history that have even reached 1,500 in a career. Great hit and run right there as De La Cruz will get all the way to third on the base hit from Segura. It takes a lot of years, a lot of consistency, a lot of durability, and ultimately a lot of talent to reach 1,500 hits. That's why Segura commanded a pretty sizable contract by Marlins standards this past offseason, two years and um, $17 million. He's somebody that had a pretty substantial track record as a major leaguer. Consistency is the key for Segura. A high floor is a phrase that you'd think would apply to him because he there's a his he's a certain if nothing else what you could get from segura year in year out aside from game is played is you'd get a lot of singles at the very least he's gonna get singles and that's gonna set a pretty high floor for how often he gets on base he's somebody still enough athleticism in the tank to add positive value as a base runner and if you go to even Kim Eng's specific quotes on the Segura signing, she also valued his defensive versatility. She didn't mention his leadership ability. I think that was implied in um, skipping ahead a little bit. That's one thing that Skip Schumacher and some Marlins players have gone out of their way to praise Segura's leadership ability, his intangibles being a plus in addition um, to all that. The Marlins are very familiar with him as Kim mentioned, because he was playing in the National League East the previous four years um, with the Phillies. I'll be bringing that up shortly as a good basis for comparison, seeing what he did the previous few years and um, the stark contrast between what he's doing now. But Kim mentioned that he was on their radar for a while. You remember he signed ultimately right around the turn of the new year in very late December. People were getting antsy that the Marlins weren't doing anything to upgrade their offense. Uh, the reaction to Segura was relatively positive, although somewhat unexpected, just because of the defensive fit. He had played second base exclusively the previous couple of years. Um, it was a long time removed from playing shortstop, and he had only played third base for a brief bit of that COVID 2020 season. 
it didn't seem like an apparent fit on a team that, if nothing else, was deeper at second base than uh, any other position. But to me, I don't know if I thought this at the time. Certainly, in hindsight, it's become clear. They signed him. One reason why, um, you'd have to point to the um, underwhelming taste that they got of Jordan Groshans. They traded for Jordan Groshans at the previous trade deadline. He hit pretty well at AAA. They called him up at the big leagues. Eh, He's very mediocre in that sample. They acquired Groshans as somebody with good bat-to-ball skills who they thought could surprise you with power from time to time, who could play multiple infield positions, who could help them against left-handed pitching. So we'll we'll revisit that more closely very soon with Segura. Uh, the Marlins as a team in 2020 were one of the worst teams at hitting lefties in all of baseball. When they acquired Groshans, I think at the very least, even if he didn't reach his ceiling as an everyday player, they thought maybe he'd be a guy that could do damage when he has the platoon advantage for a team that was had a sub-600 OPS as a team over an entire season against lefties. That was a big issue for them the previous year. And with Segura, that was a very clear strength of his year in, year out. I, I could just skip ahead to that right now with Segura's stats, his year-by-year splits against left-handed pitching. Looking, narrowing our focus, he's been in the big league since 2012, but narrowing it just to 2017, every single year, 2017 to 2022, he hit 300 in most of those years. He OPSed over 800 every single year against lefties. So that was, even if you didn't know exactly where he was going to play on this team, that represented a very clear improvement in hindsight. Um, for a team that was trying to just raise the floor of their offense. And that is why his uh, his performance has been so disappointing. The fact that he has been just a sub-replacement level player. Forget somebody that is an improvement over what they had. He has been just the worst. <laughs> There's no other way to uh, particularly sugarcoat it. Let me get the updated slash line, including Sunday's game. For Gene Segura, yeah, there it is. Slashing 199, 239, with a slugging percentage of 218 over the course of 118 plate appearances, including this game. He's played 32 games for the Marlins this season, so that's like a fifth of an entire season. He's an everyday player, and he has a weighted runs created plus, that's a stat we use all the time on here, of 27. 100 represents the league average. He's at 27, and he has floated around that number for a long time. A player for his entire career overall entering this year was just around 100, almost an exact league average hitter who was far better than league average against lefties, you know, about 20% better year in, year out, year in, year out when he had the platoon advantage. And he has fallen off a cliff, to uh, put it mildly. Segura. In terms of the catch-all stat wins above replacement, he's at negative one. Negative one win above replacement through a tiny sliver of a season. It, it's hard to express how bad that is. If you do that over a course of an entire season, um, you know things have gone poorly. That's Jacob Stallings, for example, last year. He was, a, he was just a shade under negative one wins above replacement over the course of an entire season to accrue that much negative value in 
barely a fifth of a season is just jarring. And it has to be concerning. By both Fangraphs and Baseball Reference, he is he's had the lowest war out of any position player in all of baseball to this point in the season as accumulation of the very poor hitting um, and also the lack of base running value and also being a disappointment on defense. Yeah, with Segura, they when they brought him in and ultimately after they signed a ride, acquired a rise as well and moved Jazz to center field, Segura was the everyday third baseman for this team entering the season. He's played exclusively third base during the 2023 season. As And some numbers are more harsh on others in terms of his performance, but I think they all agree that he's been a negative. He has hurt them um, compared to even an average player at third base, um, despite having seemed to have the arm strength to get it done, as well as the uh, just a yeah, little bit of experience there as well. It was hard to imagine him like totally flopping at it, but you can see even in Sunday's game, like he came so close to committing a critical error in extra innings, bobbling a ball that was hit directly at him, ultimately making the force out just in the nick of time to avoid a potential disaster. There's, there's a lot of times like that where he's so close to making a mistake as well as times where he, like the mistake is obvious. There was a streak where I believe in a six game span, he committed four errors. He's already committed five. So there've been the obvious errors and then there've been just those other small ones as well. I'm going to circle back to that in, in a minute on his defense. I think we should spend more time on his offense as I go through some rolling charts that I have from a uh, fan graphs. This is a great tool that I use their rolling chart. Over a 30-game sample, I took that considering that his season to this point, entering Sunday, was, what, 31 games. Yeah, so it's almost a, a perfect encapsulation of how this early struggles compared to similar stretches that he's had. I went over the previous four years throughout his Phillies career. So that gives us a really big sample at a, at a stage of his career where I think physically he's been about the same. He said that same really unique build. I, I try not to taunt him too much because physically I'm built a little bit like Segura as well with a very thick lower half, especially the hind side of Segura. Despite that, you know, he's somebody that has run pretty well in the past and it hasn't stopped him from being a solid defender and it hasn't stopped him from being a solid hitter. So who am I to judge him too much? This is 30 game rolling weighted runs created plus for Segura dating back to 2019. And if you're watching on YouTube, it, this stretch in 2023 to start off has been far and away the worst. I mean, there have been other stretches when you combine 2019 going to 2020. And also at the start of 2022, there were moments where he dipped to like 50-ish WRC plus over a similar sample. And this year, he's barely half of that number. He just has not had a stretch like this where he's had such bad offensive production. WRC plus factoring in both the slugging aspect and the on-base aspect of Segura. The fact that he just hasn't been doing either of those well whatsoever to this point in the season. So this is why I'm focusing on this in the first place. This is not just an ordinary slump. This is not just picking on a relatively high-paid player. This is pointing to somebody that is going through a very unusual, um, dramatic slump and the concerns about whether or not what this means for him moving forward, because he has not had anything like this over the previous half decade with Segura. Now, sticking on this, what you noticed just from watching him 
what immediately jumps out is how often he hits grounders. So many grounders. Everything is on the ground with Gene Segura. And looking at this rolling chart, so what you wonder is maybe there was a warning sign here. Throughout the middle of 2020, 2022, I should say, this past season, um, when you bridge together, especially like right after he came back from a mid-season finger injury, the ground ball rate was actually a little bit higher for Segura in, I think that's July and August, well, August and September more so of 2022 than it is right now. now. At the moment, he is jockeying for the very highest ground ball rate in all of baseball, entering, let's see what it was, entering Sunday's game. He had a ground ball rate, according to Fangrass, of 62.1%. That was the highest number for a season that he's had ever, excluding his very brief 2012 cup of coffee. He's always been a, a high ground ball hitter every season, except for 2020. Every other year, he's had a ground ball rate well over 50%, and the league average is generally in the low 40s. You had come to expect ground balls from Segura. You came to expect double plays. Those double plays in particular are what's driving you crazy, right? He is grounded into an MLB leading nine double plays this point this season. Bouncer up the middle. Lindor gets to it. The glove flip to Guillaume and a pretty double play turned by the Mets. That came with um that came with the purchase. That is something that Marlins signed up for because last year he grounded into 16, and that's despite missing quite a bit of time due to the finger injury. The year before he grounded into 16. During the COVID season, he grounded into six, which is a lot for a partial season. Almost every single year, Segura. That is part of the risk of him. That's part of the downside, one of the limitations of his game. So that aspect isn't really uh, totally surprising. But still, it's a relatively high, even by his standards, as grounding into these plays. It is also, you would think that that would yield better results now that we're playing in a world without defensive shifting in the infield. The thing with Segura is that he wasn't really getting shifted much at all, even before, even when it was allowed because of his ability to spray balls to all fields. Which means that for him, he's not somebody that was really, there just wasn't really much of an effect by that particular rule change, considering what he's used to. But the fact that he's putting so many things on the ground and that he's not really offsetting it with any slugging. He has three doubles to this point, no triples, no home runs. So he's not offsetting all those ground balls and he, is, um, he has batting average on balls in play, even without defensive shifting. It is a 230 BABIP for a player that, for most of his career, has been consistently higher than league average in terms of BABIP. He's a 315 career BABIP. League average is a little under 300. And this year, he is 230. Um, I think including today's game, it's only a tick higher than that now. It went up to uh, 231, including Sunday's game. So switching over to, um, I'll, I'll briefly put up one more rolling graph. That is on his chase rate. So with Segura, what is it that's contributing to this bad quality of contact that he's making? I think part of it is making bad swing decisions. This 30-game rolling average is about as bad as it ever has been in terms of the percentage of pitches outside the zone that Segura swings at. He's swinging at close to 50%, according to Fangraph, so far this year. He had a stretch like that bridging right at the end of 2019, including the first two games of 2020. Outside of that, 
it's uh yeah it's it's really never been anything quite this bad from him in fact there was that stretch if you go back to the most recent season 2022 yeah there was a period near the end of the year where he was chasing substantially less than normal so this isn't really related to last year this is um this is something new and obviously undesirable from Segura. Uh, he's chasing in particular when i pulled up some of his zone data from a stack cast pitches by zone swings by zone yeah, he is swinging at way too many pitches below the knees that aren't even strikes and that's contributing to as you would suspect uh, a lot more ground balls even though he's making on in terms of average exit velocity actually i can pull that up right now from our uh baseball savant sliders everybody loves these comparing 2023 to 2022 with segura in terms of average exit velocity, he is um he's up substantially from where he was last season. That's 2022 on top, 2023 on bottom. Entering Sunday, he was in the 40th percentile in average exit velo, so below average, but for a guy that was in the 24th percentile uh the previous year, there's just yeah, there is a lot of um this is he was not a stat cast darling to begin with. That's not what the Marlins signed up for. Um, there were those limitations in both plate discipline, uh, lack of barrel rate, and therefore the lack of home run expectations in him. And his chase rate was very high this year. The problem is that his weaknesses have been become even weaker. They've become even more extreme. The walk rate is down. The chase rate, as I mentioned, is uh, as high and therefore as bad as it ever has been, only in the, in the second percentile among qualified major leaguers. And he's yeah, barreling balls even more frequently. So even though he's hitting the ball harder on average, because so much of it is on the ground, um, it's make defenses are being able to defend him. At least in this small sample, they've had a lot of success positioning people in the right way to get outs. He's still making a lot of contact. When we talk about positives, he that's something you can rely on with him is that he's always going to put balls in play. And usually that's a good thing. Um, or neutral thing in, in, in the rare cases where you ground into double plays, that's the worst thing you can do. And unfortunately he's doing that more than any other hitter in baseball as reference with his defense. That's the, the other, that's the clearest drop off from 2022 where he's losing the most value, at least in terms of outs above average, he was a very good defensive second baseman by that metric last year. And this year he's been awful defensively at third base, um, looking at some of those defensive plays, I queued up some of the videos and I think you can point to a couple of the errors charts to him being ones where Garrett Cooper at first base wasn't, wasn't necessarily doing his job in properly receiving those balls. There were a couple off target throws that weren't really that were catchable in my opinion. And, um, probably could have been the, the, the error itself might be a little harsh. The fact that it goes on only Segura in those instances, However, there are several other examples, even those that weren't charged as clear errors when his hands have simply betrayed him, where he just is not exchanging the ball as quickly as he should be, or in a, perhaps in a rush to exchange the ball from glove to hand. That is what's leading to uh, just mistakes that are costing the team outs um, one way or the other. Uh, the, the strength of his throwing arm is still really good as the stat cast sliders throw show, but it's just the accuracy of the arm. It both missing high at times and sometimes just missing laterally one way or another. 
Uh, when he throws off balance, that really compromises the quality of his throws. I can think of just one exception where he made a really good off balance throw, but otherwise, you you see the clear difference that um, he's just there's a limited portfolio of plays that you really trust Segura to make at third base, and yet they've been sticking with him practically uh, every single day at that particular spot, and he has not played another position yet um, to this point. What else do I want to highlight here? with Segura. Well, looking over some video of him at the plates, um, there were a few things that kind of caught my attention. Um, one was that I felt like his, the timing of his leg lift has been inconsistent. He's somebody that has a very, it's, it's barely a leg lift at all. It's a, just like a exaggerated toe tap timing mechanism. And I've seen some inconsistencies with him this year where he does generally seem to be later with that toe tap than he was even last year or later than he needs to be. Or I should say earlier, I need to amend that, that I've actually seen him be early with this toe tap in a way that I feel may be contributing to why he's getting out in front of these balls, why he is rolling over a lot and um, grounding into double plays. Actually, here, before we go into the photo comparison, this is the unfortunate highlight reel of a lot of the double plays that he's grounded into this season, not all of them right here, but just um, string together the majority of them, just looking for any potential patterns here. And there really isn't one. Like so you see, he's done this on some fastballs. He's done it on breaking balls. He's done it on pitches low and away. He's done it on pitches inside, just like that one against Marcus Stroman. He's done it on pitches in the strike zone. He's done pitches outside the strike zone. So there's no like common thread to the, particular type of pitches that's giving him trouble i'd say more so than anything else it is the issue that he's chasing pitches low in the zone and that's leading him to pound them directly into the ground that being said um going back to his setup and why it's different uh, aside from the timing of his leg lift it's also just the setup in general that last year he was getting more into his legs where that left leg this front leg was getting extended a little more closer to the ground for somebody that has a very strong base. You can understand why he would do that. And this year he's been more upright at the plate. It's not a dramatic difference, but the side-by-side I think makes it relatively clear that this year he's more upright than he was last year. And so if you're holding, if the bat is generally in a higher position, you're swinging down on the ball anyway. But in this case is swing down at a, a sharper angle at the ball because of the way that he's setting up right now and not getting into his legs enough. So in order to hit line drives and long fly balls, like you need to get your entire posture closer to the ground. Otherwise I think you get the situation that he's in right now where, because that's, I don't think the setup is um, doing him any favors and it's a, it's a little hard to understand why he would go away from what he was doing last year in that regard. It's a subtle difference. I think it is hurting him though with this difference in his setup for a guy that is just consistently putting everything, everything on the ground uh, right here. So Gene Segura. uh, Yeah. What are the Marlins going to do with Gene Segura, the sub replacement level hitter, um, the everyday third baseman, but who's not just, he's not getting the job done. Who still has another guaranteed year of his contract beyond this year. Then he has that club option in addition to it for 2025. Um, so the good news, and this was the subject of 
last week's show is the return of Joey Wendell. It came a little bit later than I was expecting. That made me look kind of silly that it was such a, a deliberate rehab assignment. He finally returned on Sunday, immediately made his presence felt coming off the bench. And Wendell, as you know, he plays third base, plays second base. But this year, he answered the year focusing on shortstop. Um, since he's been out, John Birdie's done a passable job. And uh, Garrett Hampson has turned into an um, interesting option at shortstop, probably giving them a little bit more than they were expecting. For the time being, all of them are still on the active roster. They squeezed Xavier Edwards off in order to bring Wendell back. Um there are some people I know that are already clamoring for the Marlins to cut their losses with Segura after barely one month. It's been such a terrible month, but just it's a tiny sample. They're already ready to cut their losses as a player that is over the hill all of a sudden that maybe was showing some signs last year of being over the hill and somebody that is just not adjusting to his uh, new position very well. Um, yeah, the, the last thing, I can't believe I glossed over this, but to pull up his year-by-year uh, -year splits one more time, yeah, I was focusing on the previous years against lefties. This was the biggest reason why the Marlins brought in Segura in the first place, to mash lefties, and that's what sticks out most of all about him, is that this year, entering Sunday, he was 2-for-25 against lefties. A 2-35 OPS. Now, that's pretty bad for an average by his standards, it's unthinkably bad for even a slugging percentage or an on-base percentage, and that's his entire OPS in a tiny sample, but against lefties. Um, the job that he was brought in to do is the one that he is doing as poorly as, as anybody in the league, and it is a, yeah, it's hard to square that with the player that they thought they were getting, somebody that they thought was just so trustworthy from that aspect. And because of that, it also makes it hard to figure out exactly where he fits into the team. I think the, the most obvious thing to do right here is to cut into his playing time. As much as he wants to be on the field every single day, you have to earn that. And he has it's not earned that at all whatsoever, regardless of who else is on the roster. Um, nobody outside of Jacob Stallings, that's a subject for another episode, nobody outside of Jacob Stallings is worse at the plate than Gene Segura, unfortunately. With the return of Wendell, I think it makes it pretty apparent that there should be games where Wendell and Birdie are starting on the left side of the infield, put them whichever order you want. And Segura is sitting to this point in the season. He's played almost every single game. There's no reason for that to continue the, the comparison. It's night and day between him and Birdie. Birdie's nothing special, but he he's, you know, he's getting on base at a solid clip and he occasionally hits extra base hits. And when he gets on base, he's obviously a much more impactful base runner than Segura is. With Joey Wendell, I talked about on the previous show that you know there's a pretty sustained period of time where, where Wendell has not been a good offensive player. However, um, the bar that Segura has set is extremely low. Wendell might be even better at at least making contact. Um, that's one thing that Segura is supposed to specialize in. Wendell does that extremely well as well. And even when he was something poorly for a big chunk of the 2022 season, you know, a 600 OPS looks uh, pretty great against it, someone in the low 400s. So Wendell is going to earn a substantial amount of playing time again. The fact that he can play shortstop and Cigar isn't even an option there. Um, I expect Wendell to start the majority of games. And um, I think some of those have to come at the, extent, the expense of Segura until he demonstrates that he is the player that they thought they were getting. Because to this point, he has just 
simply not done that. Um, so when do you reach a point where you consider some, doing something drastic, like a salary dump trade or even considering releasing him outright? I think they're a good while away from that. Um, Xavier Edwards, he can certainly make it an interesting call if he continues to perform offensively at AAA the way that he did during the first portion of the year to get called up in the first place. And this goes back to Jordan Groshans as well. Um, Groshans got off to... Um, I don't think he impressed them with what he showed down the stretch in terms of translating to being in uh, even not an every forget an everyday player, but even being like a clear uh, above average role player for the team last year. And that's why they started him in triple a um, never really felt like he had much of a shot to make the opening day roster, except for if he was versatile enough to play enough positions, like they had concerns bottom line about Groshan's offense in order to sign Segur in the first place. As we're speaking, he may be heating up. He's hit, he's driven in seven runs in his last two games for Triple A Jacksonville. Maybe he gets going and shows more extra base impact that he was missing last year, forces his way into the conversation by the time we get to the middle of the season. Uh, between Edwards and Groshans and Jacob Amaya, Jacob Amaya, who they have a lot of trust being a shortstop moving forward, if he demonstrates that he's um, capable enough offensively to go up to the big leagues and then subsequently slot in at shortstop and moving Wendell into a utility role, then that makes Segura's role in the, the team more um, even less defined than perhaps it is at this particular moment. But we're still a little while away from that. I, I think it's still a period of months until you think about potentially calling this a sunk cost. He has such a long track record, Segura does, of not just being like a viable major leaguer, but being... As, as we said, you know, a league average hitter at a useful defensive position, being in the middle of the defensive spectrum, while also showing an interesting balance of contact skills and situational hitting and adequate slugging, you know, double digit home runs over the course of a full season and um, plenty of doubles, even when he doesn't go over the fence. I, I think it's too soon to fully say that the ship has sailed on him being the player that he has been for in a very extended period of time with him. I think it's been a mix of really bad luck. You look at the discrepancy between his expected results and his actual results this year, according to StatCast, in terms of a weighted on base average. I think the gap is about 64 points. In terms of batting average, the gap is 53 points. In terms of slugging, the gap is 115 points between expected and actual to this point, there's been no doubt there's been substantial amount of bad luck in here. And a very difficult question the Marlins have to ask themselves is, you know, when he gets his deserved results, are those, even those results, are they good enough to merit being, you know, the kind of player that they signed him up to be? Because even if he's getting his uh, deserved results right now, uh, it'd be an OPS. It would still be his worst season in quite a while. It would still be a disappointment, even if the luck turns around no doubt it's it has been just a bizarre trend for the marlins and when they actually try to spend money and improve the team spending more money on the team this year than they had the previous five years um and bringing in a variety of players that have long track records and relatively recent major league success whether it's segura or whether it's johnny cueto or whether it's the, the outfielder who should not be named avasail garcia among others, you know, when they actually pay these guys money, outbid other teams for them, um, they just 
they they flop at a very high rate compared to even other teams around the league. So not panicking on Segura, but you have to be immensely disappointed at what he's given versus um, for a team that desperately needed the offense and now you know wakes up at this stage of the season, as we've noted many times, with the worst run differential in the National League, mainly because the, their offense is doo-doo at this point. Segura, unfortunately, has been a significant portion of that. For this team to reach its goals, it's going to need improvement from a lot of different positions, not just Segura and not just from third base in particular. But, you know, it's fair to expect a whole lot more from him than Segura has given them to this point in the season. This has been the official show uh, with me, Eli Sussman. Thanks for tuning in. As always, another plea for you guys to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to Fish on First. And I hope you're liking this video experiment as well, cross-posting it over there on Fish on First. We give you a whole lot of audio programming every single week. Fishology coming up in just a couple days. Alternating weeks, we do fish traps unfiltered, occasional what a relief interviews, and then every Sunday night into Monday morning, that's when we post the state of the fish recording as well. Uh, aside from podcasting, we obviously do articles on the site every single day. We do live streams before every series opener, Fish Stripes Live, presented by La Pop. So tune into that on Monday night for the Diamondback series at 8:30 p.m. Eastern time, and then on Friday for the Red Series that's going to be at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. A lot of content, and I always say I'm grateful for whenever the team is mildly competitive as it is right now, um, even as I'm somebody that's pretty skeptical about them maintaining that competitiveness with the players you know, that they currently have. That's why they play the games, to potentially surprise us in those situations. And for Segura's sake, for everybody's sake, this is somebody that people are pulling for for good reasons, to simply be the player that we already know that he's capable of being. Um, yeah, so I'll be back with another show uh, in relatively near future. You can find it on Fish on First. You can find it on the Fish Stripes YouTube channel. And your feedback is always encouraged in the comments or by going on Twitter. That's where I'm pretty responsive, at Real Eli, E-L-Y, and as well as, of course, at the Fish Stripes account that I man around the clock all year long, especially during the Marlins regular season. Thanks for listening and go fish.